is truly worthy of all the praise. He is truly worthy of all the praise. He is just a good God. Ah, he is so worthy of all the praise. Sometimes you just got to stay right there. Just thank you, God, for just being so good, for just being so amazing to us. Some of us had a rough week. Some of us had trying weeks. Some of us almost didn't make it to see today. Some of us barely, barely made it to this moment right here. We had a funeral this week, and so we want to lift up the Miller family, the Johnson family. We also want to remember um, the family friend of our very own, Elder Kwame, all the way in Diana um, for the loss. Um, we know that God is a very present help in the time of any storm that we may encounter. So we want to remember all of our sick and shut-in those that are battling through health challenges. We know that God is a prayer answering God. As we look out and see Dad Harris sitting here, we know that God hears and answers our prayers. So we bless him. That's all right. We can put our hands together and worship him in, in, in his house. In his house. That's right. In his house. So we bless the name of the Lord today. So as we bow our heads, as we approach God's
God, that you will cover the Miller family, cover the Johnson family. Pray, oh God, that you will go all the way to Guyana. Cover the family friend member of our very own Elder Kwame. We ask, oh God, that you will help us to seek after you in all that we do. Removing all fears and all doubt. Walking by faith and not by sight. Seeing and trusting in you. Father, we ask that you will cover our summit this weekend as our youth will be traveling and those that are here in the city will be, that they will be able to experience you. Let your Holy Spirit move even now. service. Draw us closer to the well that we may drink from that fountain that never runs dry. And we, your children, your people, oh God, will be ever so mindful to give you the praise, to give you the honor, to give you the glory, which is rightfully yours. So do what you do, God. Have your way. Let us not leave here the same way we came. Let us leave here with a newfound love for the things of God. This we pray in Jesus' name. Let the people of God say amen and amen again. Good morning, happy Sabbath. You know, the scripture speaks a lot uh, about tithe and offering. So as we talk a little bit of our stewardship nuggets, time, talent, temple, and treasure, just want to mention to you about treasure. The scriptures start way back talking about tithe, where Abraham even paid tithe of all that he had. Jesus spoke about the tithe, and he also spoke about offering. There is a difference, though, between tithe and offering. Tithe, God tells us how much that is. It's 10%. Uh -huh. 10% of your income, whatever that might be. Back in the day, shepherds gave 10% of their sheep or whatever their uh, income was. Now we get paid in terms of money, most of us. So 10% of your income is tithe. Now tithe measures our obedience because God tells us give 10%. Give 10%. I have given you 100%, and I'm just asking for 10% back uh -huh. to help the work. It's not for the pastor necessarily directly so he can drive a big car and own a jet. <laughs> it's to spread the gospel message. And that 10% goes all around the world. It doesn't just stay here in our conference, but it goes clean around the world, spreading the gospel message. We want to continue being faithful in our tithe. Because the gospel has been preached in most every country, but we still have the three angels' messages that needs to get out to the world in this time period. Amen. There's a time of trouble coming that we have to war warn people about, and that's what your tithe goes to do. 
And then the gospel talks about offerings. And it speaks in terms of free will offering, which means you get to decide how much. The Lord says, give as God has given to you. If God has just given you a little bit, then give a little bit of offering. <laughs> but if God has given you abundantly, then allow your offering to be abundant. And I can see by the fact that you're here alive and kicking that God has given abundantly to you. So let's not be stingy with our offering. But as God has blessed you, give. And you know the secret thing about offering is not, again, for the church. We appreciate your offering, being faithful and honest, because I can see you by the fact these lights are on. I feel really comfortable with this air conditioner blowing. I'm really thankful we have a building to uh, worship in so that your offering is doing a good work. But really the secret to offering is it allows you to become a generous person. It allows your love to shine out to others through a free will offering. So give freely as God has given freely to you. And I guarantee you one thing, you cannot beat God giving. The more you give to him, the more he's going to give to you. So be honest in your tithe and be generous in your offering. Would our deacons please come forward to lift the morning's tithe and offering? Remember, you can also return your tithe and offering through the cash app at dollar sign T-O-P giving through AdventistGiving.com and AdventistGiving.org rather and look up Spanish Lake Tabernacle of Praise and give that way. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for giving us the privilege and the honor of returning to you that which you have given to us in the first place. Bless us to be honest and open. Give us a generous spirit, dear Lord. And help us to continue to spread this gospel message around the world in this generation. In the blessed name of Jesus, amen and amen. Thank you.
did, I brought him with me. And at the same time, he was here waiting on me. Amen. That's the kind of God we serve. He's here, he's there. Amen. He's everywhere. Thank you so much, praise team, for that musicians, for that song, that selection. Did you bring him? He's in the room. But we praise God for um, for being in the room. If you have your Bibles with you, I'm going to go ahead and get into our time today, found in the book of Luke, very familiar um, passage in Luke chapter, chapter 19, we'll start with verse 41 and read down to 44, Luke chapter 19. And we'll start with verse 44 and read all the way down to verse 19, I mean 41 down to 44. So when you have it, please turn, please stand with me in honor of the reading of the word of God. The Bible says, now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side. And they will not leave. Today we just want to look at the title of this passage, Jesus Weeps, Weeping Over the City. Let us pray. Father, uh, again, we thank you for your love, your kindness, your blessings that you have poured on us on this day. As we now spend time in your word, we ask that you would speak to us, speak through us. Let us not leave here the same way we came. I must now decrease the word of God, may increase into your hands. I commit my spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And you may be seated. Weeping over the city. To some, it's another day. To some, it's a day of business as usual. But to Jesus, it's a day when the prophecy and Zechariah, given over 500 years earlier, that the Messianic king uh, of Israel would enter into the city, not on a horse, but riding on a colt. The route that Jesus took into Jerusalem began at Mount of Olives, which is on the east of Jerusalem. And as he rode on the colt down the road 
on the western slope of the Mount of Olives, crowds of people began to gather. Crowds of people began to form. People began uh, to praise him, loudly hailing him as the king of Israel. They began to call out on Jesus. All their excitement is driven by all the talk about the great miracles that Jesus had performed. They've heard the stories of Jesus opening the eyes of the blind. They've heard the stories of Jesus taking the lepers and touching them, and now they are made whole. They've heard of all the stories that Jesus had performed all of these miracles, turning water into wine, walking on what They've heard all of these miracles, and now they're gathering to see the man called Jesus. Can you see him there? Can you see as they gather? Can you see the scene of that day as Jesus approaches the city of Jerusalem on this coast? Uh, when an inspiring royal welcome of the people began to gather. He was given this, this accolade that to the leaders or the king of that time would have loved to have received such accolades. Keep in mind that this is not a planned event. This is not something that was put together. This here was spontaneous. People began to gather People began to give accolades to Jesus. If it had been in this day and time, uh, people would have been excited at the fact that, that, that Jesus has shown up in town. In today's turn, it would, it would indicate uh, uh, to the public that this is a popular man. This is someone who Instagram post is off the chart. His, his, his TikTok post is booming. His Instagram, his YouTube page is just blowing off the charts. This man right here is well known and everybody is excited. And so they're hailing him, king of kings. Look at Jesus. All hail to King Jesus. Any man receiving such treatment may feel as if they're on top of the world, but not Jesus not, not Jesus, because after all, he is the creator of the world, and not only the world, but the world and beyond. And so Jesus, instead of soaking in the overwhelming, overpowering rejoicing of the people that is going on all around him, Jesus did something uh, quite unexpected. The text says that as he gazed, at the happy faces of the people as they were standing all around, uh, Jesus became emotional. Uh, uh, his heart was so overwhelmed and so deep with sorrow and grief that the Bible says that tears began to flow from his eyes. And he openly and verbally expressed his emotional lamentation uh, over the city. Why did Jesus weep? Why did Jesus give such a different response during this triumphal 
entry? Or was it because he saw his omniscience of all the terrible things that he was going to have to suffer in the next couple of days? Could it be that Jesus was able to foresee and he saw as the nails was being prepped, as the cross was being put together? Could it very well be that Jesus stood there in Jerusalem looking over the city, but yet he saw his crucifixion? Oh, 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 I beg to differ because Jesus didn't make it about him. Oh, no, Jesus weeping had nothing to do with him, but had everything to do with Jerusalem. Follow me now, because Jesus was not weeping himself. Uh, uh, what then was Jesus weeping for? He was weeping for Jerusalem. And so the first thing I want us to understand as he was weeping for Jerusalem, he was weeping, first of all, because of his unending desire for the peace of Jerusalem. You see, Jerusalem was together place. Jerusalem was a place where actually its name means peace. But yet, when you look at Jerusalem, there was no peace in the land. Uh, uh, there was no peace there. Uh, 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 verse 42 uh, simply reminds us that if thou hast known even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hidden from thine eyes. In other words, the central idea in this lamentation is peace. Jesus was expressing his sorrow for Jerusalem because it had recited or rejected him as their missed opportunity of peace. As Jesus rode in, while there was much accolation, while there was much rejoicing, Jesus was looking beyond what he saw. And you will notice that the words used here are thy peace. Uh, uh, notice what Jesus said it is peace was something that rightfully belonged to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was a place that was built on peace. When King David uh, made this city the capital of Israel about a thousand years before Christ, he chose it because, here we go, he chose it because it was excellent, an uh, excellent location. It was a location right on the border between the tribal territories of Benjamin and Judah. Since his predecessor, King Saul, had been from the tribe of Benjamin, while David himself was from the tribe of Judah, there would be a feeling that Judah had taken over the royal rights of Benjamin. And so Jerusalem's location on the border between them would help to bring peace and reconciliation between the two rival tribes. But history has shown that Jerusalem has not been a city of peace even until recent times. Blood is still shed and terrorist attacks and suicide bombing still taking place, Jerusalem. And instead of being a city of peace, Jerusalem had become a city of weeping. 
It had perhaps caused more weeping than any other city in the world. The book of Lamentations by Jeremiah, it was written just after fall of Jerusalem at 486 B.C. Jerusalem. I mean, Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 1 puts it like this. Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughters of my people. So Jerusalem was supposed to have been a place of peace. But Jesus see it now as a place of weeping. Jesus desires for us to be blessed with the peace that passes all understanding, the peace that is ours through being his people and the children of Israel. The people in Jerusalem had rejected Jesus. John 14, 27, and he became, he desires that this peace for us so much that we can be assured that he weeps with us when we are troubled and void of peace. Family, I want us to understand that the tears that Jesus shed on earth reminds us that we have a Savior who understands our feelings. He understands our infirmities. He recognizes when we hurt, believe it or not, family of God, he hurts. When we cry, Jesus cries. I know it's hard to believe sometimes when you're going through these difficult times as if you were left all alone. But family of God, I need us to understand that Jesus is in touch with our infirmities. Number two, I need us to understand Jesus well because his unlimited knowledge of the punishment of Jerusalem. As I mentioned earlier, his knowledge of, is revealed right there in verse 43 of, for the days shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round and keep thee on every side as Christ fixed his gaze on the city from that coat in which he rode on, he could see not only its present state, but he also was able to see 40 years later. Being the omniscient God who knows all things, Jesus could foresee the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70 by the Romans, two days after the triumphal entry when Jesus and his disciples beheld the city of Jerusalem again from the Mount of Olives. He provided more details about the coming destruction of his Olivet Discourse. Luke 21, uh, 20 through 24, uh, uh, tells the story of Jesus speaking to his disciples. And them know of this destruction, giving more details. Verse 22 says, for these be the days of vengeance, that all these which are written may be fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child and them uh, that give suck uh, and, and those days. Uh, for there shall be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. It is understandable why Jesus would weep over this city. It was to be a terrible destruction. 
with great loss of life. In the year A.D. 70, as a result of the Jewish rebellion, uh, 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 we understand and know uh, uh, that the Roman armies was so complete that all the remainder of this glorious temple was just a wall. The only thing that was left, and today it is, uh, it, it is known as the Wailing Wall, because many Jews go there to weep and wail over the destruction of their beloved city. So, was, why was the punishment of Jerusalem so severe? I'm glad you asked, and I have it right here. You see, it was because of their sins against God. Although the Lord had given them the law and sent prophets to them, they did not obey and seek after him. As a nation. And on the day after this triumphal entry, Jesus cursed a fig tree. It was to be a picture of Israel that it had proven itself to be bear a barren nation. All along the way, Jesus is showing the road. Jesus is making it very clear and making it very plain. And lacking in the fruits of righteousness, the Lord expected from it, Jesus cursed the fig tree. In John's gospel, we see that the chief rulers of Israel loved the praises of men more than the praises of God. And the fact that Jesus, just after his triumphal entry, had to cleanse the holy temple because of it had become like a den of thieves shows the deep level of corruption that infected the religious leaderships of that time. This was a place where the religious leader had disregarded the things of God. And Jesus steps in and with one look, he weeps. With one look, he weeps. While business as usual, while everyone is still functioning, as everything is all right, where everything is good, all good in the neighborhood, everything is pleasant, everything is righteous, everything is gravy, but Jesus saw something different. And it's easy how we can look at our lives and feel as if everything is good and everything is put together and everything is lining up and I got it together. But the truth of the matter is what you see and what God sees, it always comes up different. Because, see, we want to see the good. No, no one likes to hear the bad. No, no, no one likes, uh, you know, you know, the old saying, uh, 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 we use it sometime in our house. Uh, uh, we say something like this, uh, 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 you can't handle the truth. Because if the truth was told, uh, if, you was, if the truth was told uh, about you and what you really are about, oh, oh, we can't handle that. And so they were functioning uh, business as usual. They were trading. They were selling. Uh, they were doing all of these things. Uh, but Jesus, the Messiah, the one that they were expecting, shows up and they're not ready. And so Jesus weeps. I, 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 just, I just wonder right now 
uh, if Jesus was to show up, would, would he look out in this congregation? Uh, uh, would he find, will we find our Jesus weeping? Or uh, will we find a Jesus in a celebratory spirit because his babies, uh, his children, not just sitting in seats, uh, but not, not just physically filling the church house, but emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, that we have 100% of us. You see, he didn't have that. And so Jesus steps in and he looks out and the Bible says Jesus weeps over Jerusalem because where Jerusalem should have been, they were so far from it. So why did the multitude change their tune? Jesus rolls in, they're screaming Hosanna, they're giving him praises, they're singing high accolades, but just a few days later we see that they are saying crucify him, crucify him. So why did they change their tune? Was it probably due to their having an really selfish and mistaken concept of the Messiah? And it's so easy to mistake Jesus for something that he's not. You see, sometimes we feel as if we can live how we want, do what we want, and be all right with that. And Jesus, he's a, he, you know, God is love. But see, we fail to realize that not only is he a lion, but he's a king. That he sees everything. He understands everything. He knows exactly what we're going through. So why did they change their tune? They had heard that Christ had just raised a man named Lazarus from the dead at Bethany. And so they probably hoped to, 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 uh, to, to feast their eyes one more, on one more great miracle. Uh, could it be that they were looking for Jesus to come and perform one more mighty miracle in Jerusalem? What made this miracle so remarkable was the fact that Lazarus had already been dead for some four days when Christ brought him back to life. And so they eagerly expected this Messiah to resurrect the glorious Davidic kingdom of Israel back to life. You see, the kingdom which had been dead by then, uh, uh, they were looking for Jesus to bring back the establishment. They were screaming, Hosanna, Hosanna, expecting their hopes that Jesus would now lead them to overthrow the Romans. Hosanna, oh, they praising him, they giving him glory because in their minds, uh, Jesus is going to do a, a miraculous thing. But oh, when Jesus shows different. You ever been there where you expected something from someone and in the end they proved you to be false prophet? When they became very clear to them that this was not his intent, all Jesus did not perform the great miracles they had expected all their excitement gradually died down. And in the days that followed, this selfish concept of the people became evident as they went back to their own businesses and paid hardly any attention to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I was expecting this and, and I was expecting that. And, and now that I'm not getting that, they began to write him off one by one. They began to write him off. They began to make others think priority. They began to put things where at one point they were sacrificing, closing down shops and closing down businesses and sacrificing and traveling. Now, Jesus is not a factor. And I'm just wondering, as I stand here this morning, how many of us have gotten to that place? Jesus has not shown himself to be uh, the deliverer that I thought he would be. Uh, he has not shown up. I've been praying uh, for years. Uh, I've been praying uh, for months. I've been waiting and waiting. And Jesus has not shown me to be the savior that now I was told he was. And now we are starting to write him off. Now we're starting to make other things more of a priority. Now we're putting things before Jesus when at one point Jesus was my all. Jesus was my everything. Jesus was my morning, noon, and night. Now I've been in this crucible for so long. I have not seen Jesus show up as of yet. So now, Jesus is not of an importance anymore. He's not a factor anymore. Now other things have taken precedence over the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And what we need to understand is that he is still King of kings and Lord of lords. And if he had not shown up for your situation, could it be? Like the children of Israel, like the people in Jerusalem, could it be that our understanding of Jesus and his reason for being is this little distorted? Could it be that we have misunderstood Jesus' purpose? Could it be that we've understood the reason why Jesus woke you up this morning, started you on your way, clothed you in your right mind, put food on your table and clothes on your back? Could it be that we have, have a distortion of Jesus that's causing us now to put him on the back burner? So, beloved, Maybe, just maybe, there is some in our midst this morning who would outwardly praise Jesus as their king in this sanctuary, but inwardly they do not recognize the claims that he make upon our lives. Perhaps the time of God's visitation has come upon us today. The sins of willful unbelief in Christ is unlike any other sin as is brought about the utter destruction of Jerusalem. They openly dismissed him. They openly denounced him. Oh yes, they wanted to have nothing else to do with him. Because Jesus didn't fulfill their dreams, their goals, their ambitions. Their idea of who Jesus is didn't come to fruition. So therefore, get behind me, Jesus. 
the text, we see Jesus is weeping over the impending destruction of Jerusalem because of the unbelief of the Jews. Uh, uh, do you know uh, uh, that he also weeps over, over the impending destruction of our souls as the result of our unbelief as well? So why did Jesus weep? Number three, could it be because of his unbounded love for the people of Jerusalem. You see, this love that Christ has for us is just like the love uh, that he had gave even the people of Jerusalem. If we look at Luke, uh, 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 chapter 40, I mean, uh, uh, chapter 19, uh, uh, verse 44, it says that, and level you, your children within you, uh, uh, to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. Psalms 103.13 Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Now, 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 now we we can see uh, uh, that the tears that Jesus shed on his way to Jerusalem not just tears of grief over their lack of peace and over their sins of unbelief, but they were also tears of unbounded love for his people. Just two days after the triumphal entry, when Jesus uttered another lamentation over Jerusalem, he expressed his love for her more extensively. Uh, there it is right there in Matthew 23, uh, verse 37 through 39. Uh, o Jerusalem, Jerusalem, uh, that thou killest the prophet and stoned them which are sent unto thee. Uh, how often will I have gathered my children together, even as a hen gathers her chickens uh, under her wing, uh, and ye would not uh, behold your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth till you shall say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Can you see here how tenderly Jesus loved his people? He longed to gather them like a hen or a mother hen who gathers her chicks so they will find rest in him. Jesus is a weeping in the love relationship because Jesus is saying, I'm here now. You see, life in me is sweeter than, than any honeycomb. Not only did he want to gather them together under his wing, but he said that he had wanted to do it often. He has sought not to just want, do it once, but again and again. And again, and again, Jesus said, I want to be there with you every step of the way. And so the tears that Jesus shed for Jerusalem truly reveals his great abound love for his own. A love that never ceased to seek earnestly after the welfare and, the, and our salvation. In other words, my beloved, uh, this same Jesus uh, who wept tears of love at this 
time is the same Jesus who was weeping love for this time. Jesus says, I understand the hurt that you are experiencing. I understand the trials that you are experiencing. And just like you hurt, I'm bothered by it too. But we need to understand that things have to happen in order for God to get us up to that place where when we see him, we will be like him. So sometimes God have to allow trials to come. God said, I understand. So he was weeping over the tragedy of a lost opportunity. Uh, the Israelites that assembled there in Jerusalem for the Passover missed the opportunity to be saved from both earthly and eternal destruction. This was a high time. Oh, 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 oh yes. This was a high time where, 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 where God's children, if you will, would gather in one location from all over the globe. This is a special time. This is a high time. But yet the one that they were looking for, the one that they were claiming to be children of, the one that they were longing for shows up and they're not ready. And so he was weeping because he's not willing that any should perish. He's weeping because he wants every one of us to make it. That's what the scripture clearly says. It is not his desire that anyone should perish. Jesus weeps for unrepentant sinners. Uh, Jesus, as he entered in and as he walked and looked out on Jerusalem, Jesus saw that there was more people than time. Follow me now. That there were individuals who, who had not given their hearts to Christ. Jesus looked out on Jerusalem like he's looking out on us today, and he realized that the time is drawing near. But yet, there are hearts were so far from him. Jesus looked out over Jerusalem as he looked out on us today and realized that our life is not lining up for the time of his coming. So Jesus weeps as Jesus looks out and he sees that there is not enough time. He goes on and he begins to try to help the people out. So how does he do that? He said, I realize that that the time on the clock is running out. And I realize that my children still don't have any points on the board. The enemy has a hundred. My children, zero. How can I get my children on the other side of this thing? How can I help them out? So Jesus began to warn the unrepentant sinner. Oh, yes, he began to speak to them in verse 43. For the day will come upon you. I'm trying to help you out. I'm trying to give you a little insight. 
But Jesus, even in sharing this, knowing that there will be those that will still walk away. I'm trying to help somebody this morning. Jesus understood that there will be those that will turn their backs on him. So Jesus comes in again. He says, that's why I'm here. You see, you have to understand that this wasn't an easy task for Jesus. That this wasn't an easy thing for Jesus to just step in to humanity's place. To be able to wrap himself in earthly clothing. To walk down the dusty streets of Galilee. You have to understand, family of God, that this was not an easy thing for Jesus to do. Sometimes we get it twisted. We think that Jesus is just a God that understands us. A God that, 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 uh, that, that, that blesses us. But I want you to realize that he's also a God that judges us. He's also a God that speaks to us. He's a God that wants us to be with him when he comes. So that's why Jesus cried. He wept because he realized that there was no hope for us. So he said, let me do it. Let me step in. Sin has gotten the people of God to a place where they don't even realize their error. Sin has gotten people in a place now where they don't recognize that they are so off course that they are heading in the wrong direction. Jesus says, let me do it for you. So as Jesus stood there, and he wept. He didn't want to do it. The Bible said he had a conversation with his daddy. Father, if it's your will, not my will, if you could just let this cup pass, but not my will. And sometimes we get caught up and we think that Jesus was getting a little weak. No, 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 no. We're talking the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Uh, uh, Jesus understood that this road is a difficult road. And if I can go another way, Lord, if there was another way, then let me go that way. If there's any other way I can do this without getting nailed to a cross, then let me go about it that way. But how many of us understand and know that there are some ways that's the only way? The only way is down that road. There is no other entrance, one way in and one way out. Jesus has said, I am the way, the truth. And the light. One way in and one way out. Many a times we get caught up and we feel that we can get in some other kind of way. But if I can just help you along the way and remind you that there is only one way in and that is through Jesus. One way in and that is through the master. So here we are as I wrap this up. Jesus warns us. Jesus weeps with us. He understands our unending desire. He understands, Jesus weeps because of his unending desire for the peace of Jerusalem. He's weeping because of his unlimited knowledge of the, uh, that, of the punishment that will come as a result of rejecting him as king of kings. And Jesus also wept because of his unbounded love 
for the people of Jerusalem. Jesus experienced the cross so that you and I wouldn't have to. Jesus Christ went through what he went through so that you and I wouldn't have to. Why do we take Jesus off the cross and place ourselves on it? When Jesus clearly said, that's not your place. Why do we allow things to get in between relationship with God? When Jesus says that all other ground is sinking sand. Why do we continue to bring the tears on Jesus' face? When we realize time and time and time again that it serves no purpose. Our desires, our dreams, our goals. Without Jesus, it's hopeless. Today is the day of your salvation. Today is the day that you make your calling and election sure. Today is the day that we put all other stuff aside and we make Jesus our choice. Jesus and Jesus alone. But at the end of the day, he is still king of kings. And he is still lord of lords. He weeps over the city because he thought about you and I. I don't know who you are today. I don't know who I'm speaking to. Maybe I'm speaking to me. Maybe this message just to encourage me to keep running and don't look back. Maybe, maybe you're just here to just hear how God, how much God loves me. Or maybe, maybe we're here to hear how much God loves you by giving you this opportunity to give your life to him. I don't know about you, but every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Every day with Jesus, every day is a new day. When I wake up in the morning, it's a new day. I give him praise all over again. See, what I did yesterday, what I did yesterday was good for yesterday. Let me tell you something. There are some things that the enemy got lined up for me today that I need God to step in today. I need him to step in tomorrow. I need them to step in on Monday. Step in on Tuesday. Come on, Jesus, on Wednesday. Come Lord, on Thursday. Hey, Jesus, I need you on Friday. And I'm back here again on Sabbath, ready to give him praise all over again because he's been good to me all week long. And that's why I praise him in and day out. Not just one day, sister. But every day, not just one day, but every hour, every minute, and every second, because God is soon to return. I don't know who you are.
But if you want to follow Jesus all the way, I just ask that you would stand on your feet. If you want to see Jesus in that second coming, I just ask that you would stand with me all over the building. But Jesus says that my grace is sufficient for you. It says, take my yoke. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. So I will put no more on you than what you can have. But we're here today to give him praise. Father God, again, we thank you once again. We thank you for covering us and keeping us. Thank you for watching over us. Father, as you stepped in that city and you didn't see it to the see it to be the place that was that was prepared to receive you. It brought tears in your eyes while there were high emotions and everyone was excited, declaring you the king of kings and all hail to the king, Hosanna. But Father, you look beyond. You look beyond the accolades. And you saw the deep pain. So Father, look beyond our accolades. See the need. Oh, Father, help us. Lord, help us to be more like you. Help us to walk like you and talk like you. For you truly are amazing, God. Forgive us again of our sins, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen again. Praise the Lord. So grateful that for that sobering message. Amen. God is weeping over St. Louis, but we thank God for his mercy and his grace while probation lasts. We can get it together. Amen. Amen. Let us stand for our benediction. And we want you all to bring your family and friends next week. Amen. If you don't see them here, just call Amen. them and say, we missed you. Amen. 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 Amen, amen. Father God, Lord, we're so grateful and thankful, Lord, for the words that you spoke through the pastor today, Lord. Amen. We pray, Lord, while probation lasts, we will make you our choice. Bless us and keep us. Deliver us from evil. Yes, Lord. Lord, and keep us until we meet again. Here's our prayer in the worthy name of Jesus. Let the church say amen. Amen. Oh